Jack Spierka with another episode of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Coming to you once again from Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, high atop the Highway 7 Ridge Line from TSPN. That's the Survival Podcast Network headquarters. Today is Monday, March 26th. 2012, and this is episode 866 of the Survival Podcast. And I know what you're thinking. It's Monday, 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 and that means it's time for a listener feedback show. Normally that would be the case, except this week, listener feedback show will be on Tuesday, not Monday, because uh, I had to go out of town for the weekend. My wife was having some oral surgery and spending some time down in uh, Dallas. She flew down on uh, on Monday, so last week, so I had like a week as a bachelor, and then Friday last week, I cruised down, and actually Friday last week, I recorded the show for you, so it would be here for Monday, and we have have a big announcement today as part of the show, and Rob Gray from AOCS, American Open Currency Standard, is joining us to talk about AOCS, the AOCS marketplace, gold, silver, and copper in general, and it should be a great show. Rob's third appearance on the show, and you know I only bring back people when I really like them, uh, like Steve Harris and Paul Wheaton, I guess, are some of my all-time returning guests, uh, and Rob's getting up there with three returns. That's quite a few. Before we get Rob on the air, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day number one today, BulkAmmo.com. Say it before, say it again, because it's the truth. Gun, no ammo, overpriced club. Simple as it gets. Gun, little bit of ammo, no training, no work, no really putting it through its paces and training with it and coming up as an operator. Uh, a little bit better than an overpriced club, but... It doesn't really help a lot either in, the, in certain situations. You need ammo. You need lots of it. You don't want to pay too much for it, and you, and you want great service. So you need it in bulk. And where are you going to get bulk ammo? Well, at bulkammo.com. That would be the place I would go get it, specifically for your common calibers, your 9mm, 45 APC, 223, 762. You, you know what I'm talking about. 40 Smith, all of that good stuff. You will find it at bulkammo.com. Lightning-fast shipping. Best pricing you'll find anywhere, and excellent, excellent service. Again, BulkAmmo.com. Next up today, MERS-Radio.com. That's M-U-R-S, and then a dash, and then the word radio, and then a .com. MERS Radio is a great way to have secondary communications on your property with a range of about one to two miles, no license required, far more reliable and far more private, not truly private, but far more private than the stuff that you will buy at, let's say, Academy Sports and Outdoors or any of the other handheld radios. Uh, also has base stations that can sit in your home, be plugged in, and always be on so that somebody can take a handheld when they go out. And you can add security to it through the use of motion detectors. MERS radios are an awesome way to provide security and secondary communications on your property. Five frequencies and five sub-frequencies that you have to work with. Four sectors from your sector detection. Uh, it's a great, great tool. And Rob over there, you know, he only has a handful of products. I'm talking like... I don't know, maybe a dozen or maybe maybe 18 total products at the most. And that means that anything you buy from him, you're going to call him up and say, look, I want to do this. And he's going to go, you need this, this, and this, and this is how to put it together. And you need this one other thing that I don't sell. Here's where to get it. Here's how much it costs. Or he's going to go, uh, no, you don't want my equipment to do that. You know, I mean, that's, that's what you're going to get from Rob Belleville. Absolute spot-on knowledge of everything he has because he doesn't try to be like the Amazon.com of the communications world. He specializes in the stuff that he uh, he believes works best for the situation he's trying to address. So check him out today because if it's right for you, you can't do better. And if it's not right for what you're looking for, he's going to be honest with you and tell you that. 
That's the type of person I'm looking for in a sponsor. That's how I feel all my sponsors are. Check them out today, murs-radio.com. Best way to find MERS Radio and all of our sponsors, go to the survivalpodcast.com. Click on their banners in the right-hand margin. Next up, remember, you can connect with me at Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Links to all of those are at my website, the survivalpodcast.com. Last but not least, do consider joining the Member Support Brigade. If you do that, you get exclusive content available only to members. And uh, you can uh, join that just by going to the survivalpodcast.com, clicking on Members or the Member Support Brigade banner. And uh, it costs 50 bucks a year or $5 a month, your choice. Uh, that comes out to about $0.20 cents an episode to support the show, and you get a lot of great stuff. You get discounts to over 32 supporting vendors. You get... Over $150 worth of free ebooks from day one you can download. You get some videos that are available nowhere else. I've done what I can to make it a really great return of investment for you. Those of you that are international listeners, um, I've gotten some emails from people like in Australia or Canada. You know, what can you do for us on discounts? And the reality is, at this point in time, I can't do a lot on the discounts for you. Um, some of my, some of my supporters do ship internationally and they'll give you the discount. The shipping just uh, becomes expensive. And I don't have the resources to build an international discount program at this time. It's not that I don't want to, it's that I can't. Those of you that are here domestically, I believe this thing pays for itself over and over again. But I would say even to the international dis, uh, the international listener, hey, um, some, I do have some of them, uh, that are MSB members and you're supporting the show. And again, there is $150 worth of free ebooks. Uh, and you get one more thing I think a lot of people email me about. I want every show you've ever done. I don't want to go through and manually download them. iTunes only has the, the last 50. Every episode that's ever been done in the Survival Podcast as part of the download area of the MSB uh, can be downloaded in zip files of 24 each. So uh, you might want to check into that. Uh, with that, I do have the housekeeping wrapped up, and I'd like to introduce once again uh, Rob Gray. Rob is the founder and uh, president of the American Open Currency Standard uh, and the AOCS Marketplace. He's here to talk to us about gold, uh, silver, and copper and the role that they should play in barter, not just investing, but how to actually use these things today to build relationships, to build barter, to build a marketplace based on value instead of Federal Reserve space credits. Hey, Rob, welcome back to the uh, Survival Podcast for the third time, man. I am very, very under the weather today, but alive and uh, and happy to be here. Well, hey, um, you, I know you've had you on uh, twice before, but just for people that maybe are tuning in for the first time, we did a big show on silver last week, and I talk about the topics of metals all the time, but AOCS is kind of a, a different level, I guess I would put it in, uh, from just buying coins. Can you tell people a little bit about the history of AOCS and, uh, and what AOCS actually is? Sure. American Open Currency Standard tries to take the concept of gold, silver, and copper um, store of value one step further to get people to actually use it as money. I think that there are a lot of things wrong in this country right now. And if you, if you trace back a lot of the major issues that we have right now from immigration to health care to, to anything and everything, you always get back to money. Uh, being at the source of the problem. And AOCS, the Open Currency Standard, is is doing something about the money supply. We're doing something about the money problem here in our country and trying to return uh, the marketplace to a an honest medium of exchange, uh, something that uh, we can use that's a store of value uh, that can be bartered and uh, and used you know, to help regain a lot of the sovereignty that we've lost over the last couple hundred years. So 
the nutshell history for the open currency standard is that we were kind of created out of the uh, the ashes of the Liberty Dollar, if you remember that group. Uh, Bernard Von Nathis created the Liberty da- Dollar back in 1998 uh, as an alternative, a complementary currency, and uh, ultimately was found guilty in federal court. I think that was early 2011 of uh, counterfeiting, of all things, and uh, similitude issues. So he was making coins that uh, apparently resembled existing U.S. coinage too much and was out there trading them uh, as if they were dollars, and the government didn't really like that a whole lot. So we changed a lot of things that uh, Bernard had originally designed in the Liberty Dollar model and came up with the open currency standard where we create coins that are unique and don't look anything like existing U.S. coinage. Uh, They are not called dollars and don't have the word dollars on there anywhere. And they're also designed to be circulated in our own private barter marketplace so that people aren't out there trying to uh, trade these things at Walmart and Best Buy and other places that aren't really set up to accept a complementary currency. So we took that concept, uh, expanded it, changed it a little bit, and turned it into something that's really doing very well uh, and gaining a lot of traction out there in the alternative uh, marketplace. So that's AOCS in a nutshell. Rob, actually, I'd like to at this point do something I never got a chance to do with you on air before, which is thank you for your integrity when when that dude ended up in jail. Because I know you were part of that group in the beginning, and you saw problems with it, and you did something that no one else in the metals industry did. You came out and said, before you go say the government was wrong here, here's what this guy was really doing. And you did a post on it, and the the concept itself I didn't have a problem with, but there were videos of this guy out passing his coins. And at this time, people need to understand, they were, I think, a $10 coin, yeah. and silver was trading for about 6 bucks an ounce. Yeah, and he was saying, this is the new $10 yeah. silver coin. And he, when I saw that, I understood why the jury convicted him. It wasn't the coin itself. It's what he was doing with them. Right. And you guys have really taken steps to, one, distance yourself, two, tell the truth about that, and three, make sure what you're doing is in no way in league with what they were doing. Yeah, so thank you for that. It's it's really actually very selfish of me for doing that. I'll explain that in a second. But it took me almost a year to write that article. I tried tried thinking for so long about how I could put that out there and not just get completely blasted in the marketplace of of all the freedom people that are out there fighting for uh, you know the Liberty Dollar and what the Liberty Dollar stood for. I, I really needed to find a way to to compose that article so that people understood really what was at stake there. Um, and I woke up in the middle of the night. Um, last year in like a cold sweat and it finally hit me and I, I drafted it in four hours in the middle of the night when it, when the, the whole thing finally came to me and, and I think it came together pretty well and if you're looking for that article, if you go to opencurrency.com and do a search for Liberty Dollar on our site, you'll be able to find that article and, and read what I put together and I think it's a fair evaluation of the good and the bad of the Liberty Dollar and you know I've been very critical of, of Bernard Von Athis over the years. I've always shared my thoughts and feelings with him first. And when I wrote that article, I emailed it to him at 6 a.m. The, uh, at the time when, when it was finished, and he wrote back right away and said, I've reached a new low. So uh, I don't think he was totally impressed with the article that I put together, but I do believe that it was fair. And the reason I think that it was more selfish than anything else is because we were starting to get a lot of negative feedback from people calling us and emailing us saying, hey, watch out, they're coming to get you next. They're you know, they're, they just took out the Liberty Dollar. We knew this was going to happen. You better watch out because you're next on their list. And I keep saying, no, we're, we're not we're not next on their list. We're, we're doing something completely different than the Liberty Dollar. Yes, we mint coins. Yes, we, you know, we, we trade them and they have a, a currency value. 
But no, we're not out there doing it the same way that the Liberty Hour was doing it. And, uh, you know, this this banana republic that we live in here, uh, you know, the court system is very strange. So I, I don't really think that I have a good, solid legal foundation that I'm standing on top of here saying, well, you know, we're following the law and uh, therefore we're not going to get in trouble. I, I don't believe that the government at any time couldn't just change the law or or change the definition of the words and come after me. But I think that we are doing um, the complementary currency in a in a morally and ethically different manner. And I believe that's what uh, not only has kept us out of trouble so far, but would also keep us out of trouble if we ever had to get in front of a jury. You know, if we get in front of a jury, we say, listen, we're making these things. They don't look anything like U.S. coins. There's no possible way somebody could get confused when they see a Dick Cheney neo coin show up at their business. <laughs> this thing is a government coin. It's just very, very unlikely. We don't call them dollars. And not only that, but we have told people time and time again that if you want to spend these things, Go out there and do it in the spirit of honesty and integrity. Let people know that this is a voluntary currency. It can't be deposited at the bank. It can't be spent at Walmart. And, uh, you know, it, it go out there and spend it in our own private marketplace. But let's circulate these things where people actually want to get them as opposed to where people have to be tricked into receiving it. I'm not, I'm not saying that that was the Liberty Dollar mission, but uh, like you said in some of those videos, it sure seemed that way. Yeah. And so I wanted to really point out in that article that uh, that we weren't expecting and we're still not expecting the same problem that the Liberty Dollar had. Um, so, like I said, it was a little bit selfish that I put that together, and, and I wanted to get that point across and also, you know, give put my two cents in about why the Liberty Dollar got in trouble uh, without totally blasting the Liberty Dollar. And uh, I think I was able to accomplish that in the article, and I, I want to thank you for your uh, your kind words. It's, it means a lot what? to us. You put it to bed for me because when it it wasn't when it first happened. It was one that it was like the judicial decision was coming down when he was convicted. That's when everybody went nuts about it. Right. And on the surface, as I looked at everybody blogging on it, I went, "This is kind of screwed up." When I read your article and I looked at the the video, I had to admit, if I had sat on that jury, I would have voted for a conviction. I wouldn't have liked doing it, but man, the way he was passing that coin, I don't want to beat that up any further. I just it, it changed my view, and it actually made me understand what you're doing and why you're doing things your way a little bit better. So, now well, you mentioned this. Go ahead if you want to say anything else before sure, we go. On. Sure. The, the question at the end of the day was: Is did the Liberty Dollar intentionally and surreptitiously design the medallion so that it could be snuck past merchants and vendors? And I don't think that's the case. I think that that's you know really what what the uh, the defense missed in the trial. They they didn't make that case very well. Uh, and that's essentially what came across. The, the jury was convinced that, that the Liberty Dollar did do that. Um, and I, I think that, you know, what we have to be cautious of is pushing forward the idea of freedom and liberty, but doing so in an honest and ethical manner, because if we don't, whatever results we get are going to be very short-lived. Um, you can't trick people into freedom. You can't trick them into telling them the truth. Because uh, if you do that, you're, it's always going to backfire on you sooner or later, and, and you'll end up losing whatever goodwill you created uh, in the meantime. So that, that's really the core of what we've done. We've, we've gone about it, um, and it's been very difficult. It's been a lot more difficult for us to establish our marketplace because of uh, our policy of upfront honesty. But uh, we're doing it, and it's getting done, and we're doing very well with it, too. On your marketplace, you guys have been really working to try to establish that. And where I mean, you have how many vendors are part of that now? And, and where can people find out more about that? 
Well, we just launched recently AOCSMarketplace.com, which is a uh, great site where you can go to see some of the vendors that are out there. And also, uh, if you are somebody that's willing to accept payment in some form of trade or another, uh, to register your business. One of the keys about the website is it's not just an AOCS face value silver business. If you are willing to trade at all, we'd love to have you in our marketplace. Let us know what you're willing to trade for. Let us know what your terms and conditions are for what you're willing to trade. If you're a plumber, maybe you need cash for all of your, your parts and your, your toilets and your fixtures, but you'll, you'll accept silver uh, or chickens or eggs for your, your time or your labor. So the AOCSMarketplace.com website is the place to go to find all the merchants that are out there that are actively participating in our barter economy. Now, one of the things we haven't migrated over yet from our old website is our listing of all the barter groups that we have reciprocal relationships with. And that's really, I think that's really my claim to, to fame, Jack, is that I was able to figure out the equation uh, the model, the uh, the format for linking silver in with all the existing trade exchanges that are out there. You've got ITEX, IMS, Do Barter, Merchant Trade. You've got hundreds of barter groups all across the U.S. And they've done exactly uh, essentially what we're working to do right now, which is establish a group of people that are willing to trade with each other. And one of the things I discovered early on in my career here was that we could take our silver currency and trade it at least one for one with all these other barter group currencies that were out there. Um, and so we've compiled a list of more than 27,000 merchants that are part of these other barter groups and exchanges that we can and, and do trade with. And I just haven't migrated that data over to AOCS Marketplace yet. But look forward to that being there in the next 30 days or so as we get that list cleaned, categorized properly, and posted to the new AOCSMarketplace.com website. And you guys, you, you, you trade your currency with a, let's call it a value. Uh, yep. A credit value, I guess, or a we don't even. You said at one time we don't even really know what the number means, but like a one ounce silver is a fifty, a one ounce copper is a two. Yeah. Um, how does that work out with exchange rate? Is that up to the person that's taking the silver and gold or copper? Yeah, the marketplace always determines the rules for trading. Um, you know, the face value. We we could put a face value on the medallion. The, the face value right now in a one ounce medallion is fifty. Uh, 50 what? 50 units, 50 bucks, 50, uh, you know, I've heard it called lots of different things, but it's space credits. Yeah, it's certainly not dollars. Yeah. Uh, so the, the face value right now on our on our standard medallion, which is a one ounce silver round is 50. Um, and the marketplace decides for themselves how that works. And what that means is that we don't ever expect to go into a business and say, if you want to be a part of our thing, this is how you have to do it. What we do say is if you want to be a part of our network, and you want us to actively promote you, we'd like you to do it this particular way. And if the merchant wants to do that, then that's great. Then we can easily and, and accurately promote them out there to our network of people that want to spend silver. Um, if, they, if they want to specify their own terms, they're more than welcome to do that. Some merchants will only accept silver at spot. Um, I frown on that because I think that silver is worth a whole lot more than spot. I think that everybody out there will agree that silver is worth more than spot, if not just for the minting and shipping and insurance that you have to pay to get a one-ounce medallion. Um, but uh, the merchants are always welcome to decide for themselves what exchange rate they're going to, they're going to, um, to give to a consumer. What we ultimately want to see, and what a lot of merchants are doing now, thankfully, is just giving us a price in ounces. Um, well, I have a friend that teaches a constitution class, and his price is always two ounces of AOCS for the class. 
Um, that way he can change his price from $100 to $150, but it's always two ounces of AOCS for his class, and he's happy. So the exchange rate is always decided by the marketplace. All we do is we give them a suggestion on a model to follow that uh, helps them get rid of Gresham's Law and gives the uh, consumer some sort of incentive to, to spend it. Uh, the other thing that the face value does is creates a stable value in the marketplace for the currency. One of the problems of uh, banking or, or dealing exclusively in precious metals is that the price fluctuates. Um, for a very long time in our country, silver and gold held a very stable price. And in the beginning of the 1900s, all that changed, and we know where it's gone from there. But uh, if I'm a merchant and I accept an ounce of silver for $48.70 at the high and I go to spend it for $32, I've lost a third of my purchasing power just because some goofballs up on Wall Street at some bank somewhere are manipulating the price. Uh, and, and we don't think that that's right. We, we like to see money have a stable value. In fact, it's, it's one of the key properties of money has to have a stable value to work. And uh, as long as it's, the longer that it stays within your barter economy, the more stable it is. Because the only time we run into instability issues is when somebody wants to exchange it for Federal Reserve space credits. Those are the real space credits. And then go outside the barter group. So the way to keep the strength in the currency is to keep it inside the economy. Yeah, that, that's what a lot of people have a hard time understanding about AOCS currency uh, and for whatever reason have a very easy time understanding about the U.S. dollar. It's like, well, wait a minute. This ounce of silver you say has a face value of 50 space credits, but on the open market right now it's only like 32 or 33. Well, you know, think of a $50 bill. That thing's got a face value of 50 space credits and it has an intrinsic value of, you know, a penny or two. So people – trust the U.S. dollar because one simple reason, they know where they can go to spend it. They know that there's a network of merchants and business owners out there that are willing to give them $50 worth of value in, in exchange for that 50 space uh, credit note. Um, AOCS currency is really essentially no different than that. There's a network of merchants out there that all exchange at the same rate. And like you said, the only time that somebody ever quote-unquote, loses out is if they want to leave and exchange it back for the uh, Federal Reserve space credits. So as the currency circulates inside of its own economy, it has a very stable value, and that value doesn't change, and, and it might be worth 31 or 34 or 33, but it doesn't ever matter because it's, it's not looked at as a commodity inside of that marketplace. It's looked at as a, as a currency. Um, and you know it, it takes a little while to understand that concept, but uh, like I said, that's one of the biggest challenges that we have. You know, one of the places people can really see that for themselves is U.S. coinage. So if I look at something like a 1925 peace dollar, 90% uh, yep. silver, it's not an ounce. Some people think they're an ounce. It's about 0.77 of an ounce. But right now, today, that is still worth, on face value, a dollar, right? Yep. And it might sell for more for numismatic value, but the silver value of it's about 24, 25 bucks. Uh, right now, if you wanted a dollar coin, you'd probably end up with a presidential dollar, and the melt value of that thing is six cents. Right. And, and I think people need to kind of step back and understand that when silver and gold coins traded, it wasn't that you were going to go exchange it for something else or buy it for something else. It was inherently seen as having a certain value in the marketplace in of itself. Yeah, and and I don't know you know, really where that started to become unhinged. I think that, you know, when silver and gold started to be used as industrial um, raw materials, I think that that's maybe when that started to come unglued, that whole di difference between the commodity value and the currency value. Did, does that make any sense at all? Have, 
That makes perfect sense. I also think it's when we demonetized it. As soon as it stopped being money, then it's, well, like, how much money can I get for it? Instead of what is it in of itself? It's an ounce. An ounce of gold wasn't considered worth $20 because they stamped a 20 on it. An ounce of gold in in, in 1900 was considered worth 20 bucks because it bought 20 bucks worth of stuff. You know, and silver had like a one to twenty ratio once they decoupled those, and I think that really hurt silver. And I think there might be a lot of upside. Before we we talk more about kind of monetary standard, I want to actually you actually are looking for someone right now to help you out with your marketplace, like a marketplace coordinator or something like that. Yeah, we call it a marketplace director, and we've tried three of them over the last four years um, with various level of uh, failure and results, but. Um, it's not that tough of a job. You know, we're, we're trying to find somebody that has a keen eye for trade. Um, there are companies all over the country every day are trading with each other. And a lot of people think that it's hard to build a barter economy. And it's really not. Our, our pitch when we go into a merchant is very simple. We say, hey, listen, we're, you know, we're interested in bringing in new customers to your store that uh, you've never seen before. And they're going to pay you in trade. And with that trade, you can go out and um, – replace some of the things you used to pay for in cash, like printing or advertising or other things that you'd like to do that maybe you couldn't do because you didn't have those new customers. So the pitch is very simple. It's it's very well received by the merchants that we prospect. And we're looking for somebody that can help train our network of trade coordinators across the U.S. on that concept. Um, so we're looking for a marketplace director that can that can take that idea and uh, teach people how to do it across the U.S. and uh, help develop our barter economy even even greater than where it is right now. So you'd be interested in hearing from anybody in our audience that might be interested in that gig? Yeah, if uh, if you're out there and you're looking to to do well while doing good and uh, helping build the new economy, uh, get in touch with us through OpenCurrency.com. There's a contact page on there where you can send us a note. Let us know if you've got some free time and, and if you'd like to to learn a little bit about how to um, how to how to set up barter transactions and uh, create opportunities for people to monetize excess goods or services uh, with silver, gold, and copper. Would this person ideally be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, or I think that uh, anywhere in the U.S. is is okay. I think okay. that them being near our office, our headquarters in Dallas, would certainly be helpful for them short term. But uh, you know, we've got a budget to to bring somebody on, to hire them, to train them, and uh, to get them equipped. So if we've got to bring them in for a little while from some other part of the country, then we're happy to do it when we find the right person. Somebody that's got a little bit of experience in in barter would go a really long way. So if you've got any experience in a trade exchange or corporate barter, um, it, a barter is all about the art of the deal. You know, when we go out there and, and we know that we want a merchant in our network and we just, you know, we, we can't get them to say yes, we go in there with all kinds of different pitches. One of them is, you know, going in there and asking them what they would want to trade for. If if you were part of a barter network, Mr. Merchant, what would you want to be able to use your barter credits for? Um, they give you a couple of answers. They, you know, they'll always tell you something. We go out to that business that they, you know, that they say they need. We go out there and we ask them what they'd want to see, and we keep working that until we find a match. And as soon as we find two businesses that are willing to trade with each other, we can bring them into the network. So. My point is that we need somebody that's a little bit creative. They can see the art of the deal, uh, and if somebody feels like they have that uh, that capability, please get in touch, and uh, we'd love to to welcome you to the team as our marketplace director. Awesome, awesome. So, guys, there's an opportunity for the right person. Um, on the you mentioned a term that that always bugs me because I always get people like we have several people that I talk about that sell gold and silver uh, and copper, and I have people get back with me. I've found that this person's not competitive because they're X points over spot. 
And I don't think people really understand what a spot price is and how it works. And no one really sells coins at the spot price for the base metal. At least if they do, they don't do it for very long. Yeah. Could you kind of explain how that works, what goes into producing a coin? Well, there's there's a lot that goes into producing a coin. I think the, the first place to start um, in understanding it is the actual the actual comics contract for silver. Um, you know, it represents you know the, the price of silver that you see at spot represents five thousand ounces of paper silver um, at that price. So when you see you know the market, and if I look up the market right now at KitcoSilver.com, I got thirty one dollars and thirty seven cents. You know, that's that's when you're buying five thousand ounces of what we call paper silver. So 3137 times 5000. So when you're ready to buy $156,850 worth of silver, but you really have no intention of taking physical delivery of that, you know, then you can get that $31.37 price that we see on the open market right now. Every step that you get away from that 5000 ounce paper contract, the price goes up. So you say, well, I'd really like to take physical delivery of this stuff. Well, you might have to pay an extra 20 or 30 cents for it now, and you have to pay for shipping and insurance to get it. And then you say, well, I don't really actually need 5,000 ounces. I only need like 50 ounces. Well, you're not going to get the quantity discount then. The price goes up. And you say, well, I'd like them you know, chopped up, that silver chopped up into little itty-bitty rounds. Uh, well, the price is going to go up. And I'd like to have them somewhat shiny with a picture stamped on them. And the price goes up. Uh, and then I'd like to have them shipped to me and, uh, you know, send it two-day FedEx insured. The price goes up. So every step that you get away from that initial 5,000-ounce paper contract, it gets more expensive. And uh, certainly the name of the game for buying any commodity is to find the place where you can do that with the least amount of markup over spot or the, the least amount of seniorage, as it's called in, in the industry. Uh, and so the race is always on to find the, the most for the least. And... Uh, you know, our, our lowest wholesale prices on silver, I think, are, are pretty competitive out there, but they're not the best because we just we don't uh, have the same volume that uh, the, the U.S. Mint does. You know, my challenge right now is trying to figure out how to convince people that are so distrusting of government and banks that they're buying all this gold and silver to not buy government gold and silver, uh, to buy, uh, you know, the, the private uh, standard, the, the free market standard of quality in the silver and gold marketplace, which you know we've created as AOCS approved. Um, so anyway, so which, which has another level of value to it, right? Because you, your coin, you, I should call them rounds is probably a better term, are identified with your mark, your stamp, and that requires that they be minted in a certain place to a certain standard in a certain way. Right. And the people trading them get an assurance because of that. Because I get people all the time, well, Jack, if I go buy you know, some generic round from some company, how do I know it's really 99.99 silver? How do I know it's really you know, pure copper? How do I know it's really pure gold? And the answer is it's based on the reputation of the organization producing it. That's right. That's right. And that's really the biggest question we get from the merchants. The merchants say, how do I know this is real? And I, I've been in lots of different places where I've seen people come in and they've been at some sort of uh, eclectic, uh, you know, event where silver is a welcome form of payment and somebody plops down a bag full of old coins and there's two or three coins in there that actually aren't real silver. And I have to say, hey, listen, I'm really sorry, but this isn't a real silver. Oh, it's not? No, it, you know, you can tell by the way it sounds and it doesn't have a reeded edge and it doesn't have a, a mint mark on there and this and that and the other thing. So... Merchants want to know how they can really trust 
a medallion's weight and purity. And that's what we've worked so diligently over the years to build is that, that brand of excellence so that when a merchant looks at one of our medallions and it says AOCS approved, they know that that weight and purity is guaranteed by the American Open Currency Standard, and we will trade out one for one anything that doesn't match that, that, uh, that standard. Uh, and like you said, we keep a very close eye on the production because that's where it all begins, making sure that we've got silver supply coming in from trusted sources, making sure that it's minted to spec, um, there's a lot that goes into that, and that's one of the reasons why our medallions are a little bit more expensive than most of the other generic bullion that's out there, but it's it's something that can be trusted. Yeah, absolutely. We want to talk a little bit about copper. Copper's hot right now, and, and we're kind of holding off on an announcement here. Maybe we should go ahead and tell folks. Um, copper is very hot right now, and, and you know what? We've come a real long way from uh, where we were the last time we talked. We talked a little bit more than, than a year ago, and uh, copper is just become red hot in the, in the last year. Yeah, um, and because of that, and because we put together a coin with you, because in our gear shop's been closed temporarily and things like that, people have been asking me, where do I get the TSP copper coins from? And, and basically the answer has been, go to one of the other ACOS sellers and buy my coin from them, uh, which doesn't really benefit the audience. and doesn't really benefit us at all, and I think we can do a better job for you. So we've worked with you, and we're going to be this week releasing – a uh, new website, tspcopper.com, where we're going to be selling your guys' copper rounds, among other uh, AC, AOCS coins. That's right. So, I mean, that's going to be there. And there's going to be a discount account for the MSB. And I just kind of wanted to go ahead and throw that out here in the middle, and we'll probably chat more about that toward the end. But, folks, uh, that's coming. You probably right now can go tspcopper.com and uh, find the store and, and uh, buy some stuff. But people look at copper, and they see it kind of as an industrial metal, but I've actually started to see economists call for when they start saying, if we go back to a metal standard, there's only so much gold and silver out there, uh, what they would call like a trimetallic standard. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't agree completely with that argument of there's not enough uh, gold or silver out there. There's not enough gold or silver out there at the current gold and silver prices, which is a, a very clear indication that the prices are manipulated low. I don't know if that makes any sense, but um, – <clears throat> I, I, and I don't, I don't necessarily agree in the idea of a standard. I think that the marketplace should always be welcome to use whatever form that it wants. <clears throat> and we have the same challenge in uh, the AOCS currency setup because we've got gold, silver, and copper. And people say, well, wait a minute. <clears throat> isn't that like bimetallism and trimetallism? And isn't that a big problem because merchants are always going to want to uh, you know, prefer one metal over the other? And it, it is an issue. So the marketplace – always gets to decide for itself what medallions, what currency it wants to accept. We have some merchants that will only accept gold, and they end up waiting a very long time for customers to come in and pay because most customers either have silver or copper. Um, we have uh, Most of the merchants have a policy that say, you know, you have to pay in the smallest amount of silver and copper change possible. That way you don't show up with 10 bags of copper and expect to pay for a, you know, a, a new car in just copper medallions. You've got to use some silver, too. So I think the marketplace always needs to be the ultimate uh, uh, decider, as George Bush would say, on uh, <clears throat> on what uh, metals it wants to accept. But uh, yeah, I, I think that what what we've seen. Well, let me put it like this: we've seen copper just explode in the last year, and as we tried to to understand where this explosion was coming from, we went back and. And did a whole lot of historical research on why copper. Why you know why is copper such a big deal? And what we found was actually really surprising and, and gave us a huge vote of confidence in creating the product line. When we when we originally created the product line, it was kind of like a 
a little bit of a gimmick, a little bit of a, you know, a novelty, something that, you know, was a, a smaller ticket item for people that wanted to buy medallions but couldn't afford the silver and gold stuff. Um, and what we found is that historically, over thousands of years, you know, people think about gold and silver as being historical uh, money, and it's actually not really the case. Copper, for thousands of years, China, India was the currency of the marketplace. Gold was the currency of you know the, the kings and the wealthy elite. Silver was like the upper middle class, and copper was what the, the marketplace circulated daily for, for daily essentials. And when when we realized that, when we discovered that that artifact, uh, you know, it gave us a huge vote of confidence in creating this product line because, you know, it kind of made sense as to why people are demanding it so much right now. They're realizing that with silver and gold prices going insane, if they ever need to barter this stuff, they're going to need something that's that's a smaller value, and that's really where copper comes in, and that's why I think why we've seen it uh, become so popular in the last year and a half. So when I look at that, like one of the things I think of is during like currency shortages in the 1800s, people started making copper trade medallions for trade in the United States. Uh, and there, there's all kind. You can go out on eBay right now and find them. They're collectibles today from like the mid 1800s, uh, prior to and directly after the Civil War during two different currency shortages for two different reasons. People relied on copper. Additionally, you've got to make change. So if you come in and I have something that's not worth quite an ounce of silver in my view, it's worth three quarters of an ounce, and you don't have fractional pieces of silver, how do we do that? And one thing I think you guys have learned is as you start making smaller coins, the cost per unit and cost per ounce goes up. That's so right. by having this as another option, we can we can create kind of a much more – familiar exchange and really if you think about all the way up until we left the gold standard copper silver and gold was the currency in america mm -hmm. that's right yeah and, and that's really our biggest marketplace challenge uh, our two biggest challenges in the marketplace are making change um which like you just mentioned is very difficult because fractional silver costs a whole lot more i mean with silver where it is right now we can't even produce a tenth ounce silver currency because our cost of production is greater than the face value of the medallion. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but you know, at, at silver at thirty-two dollars an ounce, our cost to produce a tenth ounce of silver makes that uh, medallion cost more wholesale than the face value of, of five space credits, as you as you call them. Um, so it, copper really comes in handy because when you want to make change, it's easy, it's cheap, and it's uh, it's it's affordable. Um, the second challenge we have is, like you said, again, uh, small units for small transactions. People want to buy a couple of eggs. They want to buy a, a carton of milk. You know, the, our standard trade unit right now is an ounce of silver, and unfortunately that's just too high-valued right now for a daily essential like eggs or milk. Um, and so we're, we're, we're going to see copper continue to take off as the price of silver and gold continues to, to skyrocket. And I, I think we will continue to see copper increase in price, maybe not at the same rate that silver and gold are right now, but over time, it too has its own scarcity. It has to be refined. I mean, copper got high enough that people were ripping people off of like their air conditioning units just to pull the copper out of it. So there is an intrinsic value there. It may not be as close to, let's say, the face value as the silver and gold stuff is, but it, it does have an underlying intrinsic value. Yeah, the, the big challenge we have right now is the gap between the intrinsic value of the copper medallion, which on a one-ounce medallion is about $0.25, cents, and the face value, which is uh, a two, we call it, copper two. Uh, that's a really, really big gap. It's a lot big, bigger of a gap than our silver and our gold. Um, 
and you know people wonder why that gap is so big, and, and the answer is very simple: production cost. Uh, it's very expensive to mint an ounce of copper, uh, even in the amazing quantity that we do. We're the largest private producer of copper medallions right now in the U.S., uh, and we refuse to start buying our copper medallions from China. We get them from the oldest and largest mint in the uh, in the entire country. Uh, we get the best price of anybody that's out there, and it's still very, very difficult for us to be able to do that at a price that's competitive enough to bring that face value down uh, to give consumers the, the economic incentive to, to actually go out there and spend them. Um, so for the moment, there's a very big gap between the intrinsic value uh, and, the, and the currency value. But like you said, I think that that gap will get smaller over time the same way that it will with silver and gold. Um, but it, it's a medium exchange. It's a, it's a unit of account that people can actually use right now to go out and trade, which really lessens the, the argument of what it's worth intrinsically. The currency we produce has an intrinsic value. That intrinsic value fluctuates over time with a lot of different factors. But uh, as people look at it as a currency and as a way to make change and as a way to spread awareness, uh, just like you mentioned a few moments ago with the, the TSP medallion, it's a very inexpensive way of spreading the message of TSP and uh, the real truth about money. I mean, you know. Yeah. First, In fact, I'll know. tell you a secret, Rob. I bought 500 of them for myself, and we now have zero. Um, over the travels we've done in the last two years, I, giving away to audience members, people I've met, stuff like that. One of the first things I need to do once you know, we get this new store running is resupply my own internal supply because we gave away 100% of them. And I know for a fact that's really done a lot to help spread the message of, of Survival Podcast and uh, TRTAM. And well, it's helping open minds. So it's, 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 and, uh, but my other thing is, like, you mentioned eggs, right? So if I sell eggs, I have chickens. I need chicken feed, right? Now, yeah. if I can go to another guy on the barter network and you're buying my eggs and I can take this coin and buy or medallion, maybe several of them, and buy a bag of chicken feed to keep my hens laying, I don't really care about the underlying intrinsic value other than it's ensuring some portion of the face value. I just want to know, can I exchange this as a unit of account so that I can keep doing what I do? That, that's that's exactly it. Uh, you you just have to continue that barter circle. Uh, you know, money is simply a store of value. You've got too many eggs and you want something else for them. You need chicken feed. Um, so you accept a medium exchange for it. You take that and you swap it out somewhere else. The the U.S. dollar works because it's, you know, kind of been ingrained in, in our DNA that it, it works. I think that at some point, someday we'll wake up and find out that it doesn't work. And like you said, there's not going to be any insurance that backs up the promise of the U.S. dollar other than the, the paper that it's, that it's printed on. Uh, we saw that in the Weimar Republic right before World War II where people were burning currency uh, as opposed to taking that currency out to buy firewood for heat. Um, so, yeah, there, there's no insurance with a paper currency. With an intrinsically valuable commodity currency – You've got some sort of uh, promise backing it up that you don't have to, to trust anybody's word about. You've got uh, something like silver or copper or gold. Um, you know, a lot of people say, well, wait a minute. If, if the lights go out tomorrow, I can't eat my silver, copper, or gold, so it's worthless anyway. And, uh, and, I, and I hear that argument, but I, but I don't ent entirely agree with it because there are a lot of things you can do with silver, copper, and gold. Uh, you know, silver's got great medicinal properties. Um, you know, copper's got great electrical Connectivity property. So there are a lot of things that you can do with these things other than just sit there and, and look at them. So, yeah, it's the, the currency is valuable and it's especially valuable when you can continue to circulate it 
uh, for things that you need, raw materials, chicken feed, all that stuff. Uh, and that just completes that, that barter equation. And I also say we don't just prepare for the complete total breakdown and abandonment of all societal uh, functionality. We prepare for all different types of variables in between. And even if there is that full breakdown, there's also this thing called uh, rebuilding. And during that rebuilding process, there has to be commerce, and people always rebuild. And I can go to any society that ever devolved, and I can show you rebuilding. And I'd say 90% of the time, I can show you that rebuilding occurring, falling back to three metals uh, as a means of exchange. Not every single time. England, they went to tally sticks for all that, two pieces of wood that matched up, right? I mean, and that actually worked because people had faith in it, and I think that's – the big thing to me, money, people argue is money gold, is money silver, is money paper. Money is a collective agreement between two parties to be used as a means of exchange. The agreement is what really builds the money. But with private barter networks like AOCS, if you can build up that now, then even when other economies fail, those economies can continue to function. That's right. So our primary goal is to equip uh, the public with a medium exchange that they can use to rebuild that new economy once once the one we're dealing with now finally decides to to give up and can't take any more band-aids and uh, and just completely falls apart. Now you're a businessman, you're a capitalist. You you want to make a profit here. You're not just doing this because you're a nice guy. Uh, so there are people out there doing similar things that you would normal business people would look at as a competitor. But you pretty much feel like we're trying to do it the very best way we can based on what we have. And anybody else that wants to build a competing currency, go nuts with it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, you have to have competition uh, for any industry, I think, to be successful. Uh, competition helps drive costs down for the consumer. It helps drive costs down for the producers as well. Um, and so, you know, what we want to do right now is raise awareness and, and grow the marketplace of people that are, you know, buying precious metals. Uh, what's the percentage right now of people that actually own precious metals, gold, silver, or copper? Is it two or three or five percent of the entire country? I mean, it's such a huge market out there of people that have yet to be educated about what's really going on in the world, what's really happening with the economy, what's really happening with the dollar. And so, you know, I want to see as many people out there uh, banging on those doors as possible introducing any type of product line, uh, whether it's an AOCS-approved product line or a completely different uh, version of a barter economy. It all helps raise awareness, and as that awareness increases, the merchant network grows, and that's really what counts. The, the number of businesses that are out there that are willing to accept something other than dollars uh, really has to increase because if we don't have the producers on board with accepting something other than dollars – and we're going to have a lot of work to do once the dollar falls apart. They're, they're going to be the ones that are going to put their hand up first and say, sure, you've got a North American currency? I'd be glad to accept that. you got a one-world currency? Absolutely. I mean, I've been laughed out of some, some merchant, uh, some business owners' uh, stores before by them saying, hey, listen, if it's not green, I don't want it in here. You get your fake money out of here. <laughs> um, the reality is most, most people are still completely oblivious to what's really happening in the world. And the more people we can get going out there and and spreading the awareness, spreading this message, uh, the better. It's just going to help all of our our missions become that much easier to uh, to move forward. I, I do think that that's changing, and you're going to like what I'm telling you. And the audience can't see you, but I can see you. So I'm waiting to see the grin right now. While you were just talking, I had you on mute. The UPS lady walked in the office. I had to sign the thing and walked out. And I opened the envelope. And we just had a listener uh, pay for two years of MSB with two AOCS silver uh, rounds. Nice. Uh, 
So that was that was kind of cool that that happened while you were online. But you know, I mean, I take your currency. I take other forms of silver. Uh, obviously, if somebody wanted to pay in gold, I guess I'd give them a, for any piece of gold. You'd probably get up toward a ten-year membership or something like that, at least for a you know a tenth ounce or whatever. So people don't send me gold, but. I mean, I'll take it, and I don't know that I would have, even though I've always believed in it, I don't know that I would have taken it as as a means of exchange that freely, let's say, five years ago. And I'm seeing people more and more willing to do so. And I'm even like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the show Pawn Stars. Yeah. Uh, the guy was on Pawn Stars, and he wanted to sell something. I don't remember what it was. And they, they, they had a price. It was a gun or something like ten grand. And the guy, it was like twenty grand. It was like this. The, the guy that appraised it was like shaking when he appraised. It. He's like, "There's only like one of these in the world, or whatever." And he wouldn't take twenty thousand dollars for it. But the guy says, "You know, what he really want is gold." He goes, "Well, I'll give you basically twenty thousand dollars worth of gold for it." And the guy did it on the spot. And right. I was like, "That's so ridiculous!" Because he could have just took the money, bought the gold. But at least that that concept of an exchange, and that's what he actually ended up doing. I don't think the guy realized that, but but. I, for some reason, he couldn't pay in gold or something like that. I don't know if it's yeah. a local law or whatever. So basically, they gave the guy the money and immediately exchanged it for gold. And I don't think that you would see things like that on mainstream TV uh, five years ago. Well, I'll knock your socks off. There's a there's a TV show, and I can't remember the name of it, but uh, they build custom guns. Have you seen that one yet? Oh, is it uh, Sons of Guns? <clears throat> that might be it. Um but uh, we had uh, one of our supporters on there recently make a Ron Paul gun. And he ended up paying for the gun at the end of the program with uh, AOCS approved Ron Paul silver. So uh, I gotta find that. I think That's that'll probably be probably sons of guns. It hasn't aired yet. I think it's April thirteenth or something like that that it's scheduled to air on national TV. But uh, I think that'll <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that'll hit pretty well out there in mainstream. But yeah, I mean, like you said, five years ago, you know, it, it, this concept was was really foreign to most people. I, I think that you know, for better or worse, all of the things that have happened in the last couple of years have really caused a lot of people to wake up and start paying more attention, which I think is great. Um, and the more the more quickly that we can do that, the more the the greater chance I think that we have to to rebuild uh, and not have to rebuild from the ashes. I think that uh, we need to, to get as many people on board trying as many different concepts. I mean, just in in the complementary currency arena, you've got Ithaca hours, you've got Berkshires, you got AOCS, you got Time Banks. Local exchange trading systems. I mean, you got corporate barter exchanges. All of these things are great because they're all um, encouraging people to think outside of the dollar. And that's really the mindset that we have to have. Anybody internationally knows generally what happens with paper currencies. People from all over the world have gone through currency collapses. Um, most people in the U.S. have never even considered the possibility of that happening here. And so I think that uh, a lot of people are going to be very rudely awakened in the very near future as to what a currency collapse really is. And so the more awareness we can raise, the more alternatives we can put together, the more we can build these communities of people that are willing to, to trade and barter with each other, the better it's going to be for all of us. So my, uh, my, my recommendation is to get as much competition as we possibly can to raise awareness and change, change this discussion uh, so that you know, five years from now, it's, uh, this whole thing is just an afterthought, and we're all just using you know all kinds of different stores of value in the marketplace. I, I think there's a huge value here that maybe people don't see as well. It's not just the the say an AOCS medallion, but the AOCS marketplace. If you start taking part in that, it's not just that you're exchanging AOCS medallions because, like you said, you'll let people in that want 
something different or take a different form of barter. And it's the relationships with the people to have the network established prior to these systems because who do you think a local merchant's going to want to deal with when things become in short supply? Someone that's been supporting them and working with them forever or the guy that finally shows up because Walmart's out. Right, right. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the concept of AOCSmarketplace.com. You know, let us know what your terms are. You know, if you want to accept Ithaca Hours or Berkshires or AOCS, just let us know, and, and we'll help team you up with somebody that's looking to pay you in that form. Um, and that's really what the marketplace director is supposed to do, create, uh, create those relationships, figure out what merchants are looking for, and find the buyers out there that are willing to accommodate that merchant and vice versa. Uh, take a list of buyers out there that have a particular need and go out there and find a merchant that's willing to fill that need. Um, it's not that hard of a job, but I'll tell you right now, Jack, that the you know a lot of people will say that we've got a job shortage here in the country. I think we've got a shortage of of good, hardworking people that are that are willing to put in a day's effort for anything. So, you know, and I also think that there are a lot of people willing to put in effort, but they can't think outside of one particular type of effort, like getting their mind around the fact that, okay, if your job's gone, instead of bitching about it and waiting for the job to come back that went to China, create a new skill set, create a new marketplace, create something new, and go out and build value there. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I, you know, there are lots of good people. Um, there, there, are, there are lots of things to do. I mean, we hire web developers and technicians and stuff all the time, and we're paying hundreds of dollars an hour for these guys. Uh, you know, dozens of ounces of silver for projects. And it's, you know, we pay the highest rates and we still have a hard time getting and finding people. So there's work out there. There's money to be made. There's lots of money out there still. Um, we just need to find the right people to go out there and get it with us. So one thing I want to cover quick on the, the copper cost on the medallions is you talked earlier about the spot price of silver. The yeah. spot price of copper is even more misleading because mm-hmm. the spot price of copper is based on what's like tons or something like that. You know, I really don't understand the spot price of copper so well at all. So if you want to drill me on that, I'm just going to sound really dumb. So uh, I don't know. I don't got it down in particulars, but I think it's some number of metric tons held in a paper contract is what the spot is based on. And then often people will say, well, if I go get burn up nasty wire and take it down to the junkyard, they basically pay me roughly spot on it as junk. So why is this coin a buck seventy or a buck eighty? And the answer is because you wouldn't take that coin down to the junkyard and sell it for copper scrap. You they're selling on eBay for more than you can buy them from a dealer right now. I don't understand why, other than I guess maybe people want one instead of a tube of twenty or whatever. But there's an existing market where people are already spending the money on these things at a fair value. Yeah, yeah, and and like I said, I don't I don't understand the dynamics uh, so well of the the copper spot market. Uh, I know a little bit about copper scrap buying because most of the the sources that we use for raw material and copper is um, is scrap recycled copper, which is really great. That helps uh, the people that are looking for recycled material in our network, uh, very satisfied with uh, our sources there. Um, but it's the same thing. You know, there's a, a there's a big gap between the scrap market, the spot market, and the minted physical you know, tube of 20 ounces in your mailbox market. Uh, and there are a lot of costs associated with that. Uh, and like you said earlier, I'm a capitalist and I need to make a profit as well. Um, you know, driving forward the message of liberty isn't free. Um, and, you know, the work that we do, I think, is very important. And if we weren't able to do it profitably, we wouldn't be able to do it at all. 
I'd also say to tell you this: the cost of your of your money in the Federal Reserve world is much higher. Um, because when you go and you borrow from a bank with fractional reserve banking, you buy a two hundred thousand dollar house. They create the two hundred thousand dollars by making the loan, and it's a hundred percent debt plus interest. Right. Where like you guys even have like you guys work with uh, Free Lakota Bank, and yeah. they do like investments and loans in silver, but they do a hundred percent backing of what they yeah. do. That's right, and I was going to mention that earlier. I've got a couple of announcements coming out in the next few weeks from from the bank that are really going to knock uh, your socks off. They've got a, a whole set of merchant services now coming out because so many people are just fed up with uh, groups like PayPal. <clears throat> um, I can tell you that we got a 1099 from PayPal for the first time ever. I got one too. It sucks. Yeah, it's it's insane. So we've got people you know, saying, please give us some sort of merchant services so that people can, can use a credit card pay me and just have it deposited right into my account at the Free Lakota Bank. So we've got a, we've got a solution for that coming out in the next couple of weeks. That's so going to be pretty between what's going on right now with FATCA and, uh, and merchant services and money service businesses and yeah. all that stuff. It's, it's going to, it's going to completely awesome. change the game for a lot of, uh, a lot of people out there. So we're excited about that. Because I know the exchange itself, especially with mail order and that type of thing, is, is a concern. I've had I've had more than one customer send me silver for MSB and have the silver not show up because of the way they packaged it. And somewhere along the line, somebody plucked it out. I always just give them their membership because uh, I don't feel it's their fault. But uh, I always tell people to package it well. Don't make it obvious what's in there, that type of thing. And then there's just the cost of mailing something like that versus just kind of buying online so whenever you guys facilitate that uh, the better yeah I think that you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised with how nicely this works it, uh, it's a couple weeks away but I was just up in Pine Ridge again last week getting all the details worked out for it and uh, moving it forward so yeah, exciting to see that come out yeah I'm going to go deal with my uh, CPA this weekend and one of the questions I have for her and she didn't have an answer last year and now we got to figure it out is okay so 1099 came from PayPal now, I have an affiliate relationship with, let's say, HostGator. Let's say that last year I made about $1,500 with them. Okay, well, they paid me through PayPal. So they sent me a 1099. But the $1,500 is part of the 1099 on PayPal. I have no idea how we're going to reconcile that out, but I ain't paying taxes twice on the damn 1500 bucks. Yeah, the, the answer from the IRS is you just include a note with the 1099s when you send it in and blah, okay. blah, 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 blah. This $1,500 1099 was accounted for on this 1099 from PayPal that you assholes put in place. Okay. That, that's me officially giving you tax advice. But I, I will settle on what my <laughs> CPA tells me, but I will suggest that you investigate that probability. Well, we just went through the same thing over here with my, my wife's business. She's a nutritionist, and uh, she got 1099 from like four different places, and they all came through PayPal, and it's, it's so, I mean, it's just, oh, gosh, it drives me crazy. There should be some simplicity. If you want to do this to us, fine. So then if the merchant's paying through PayPal, then they shouldn't have to do a 1099 because PayPal's handled the 1099 just the way that, you know, if I use paychecks, payroll services to, you know, the, to pay you as my employee, I don't send you a 1099. They do, and I'm, I'm clean. The best thing about all this crap is that there's so much of it that nobody has any idea which <laughs> ends up. I mean, it's just layer on top of layer on top of layer. It, it'll take them years to sort through any of this stuff. And yeah. by the time they finally get there, the system will fall apart. You know, I'm, I'm very confident at this point right now that, uh, that what we're doing is going to outlast this system. I mean, Every every day, the, the the laws, the executive orders that come out are just so insane that they know the end is near. We know the end is near, and it, now it's just a race to the finish line here. 
And our job is to, I think, just be patient and outlast them. I mean, I don't know if I told you, but we're working on starting a mint right now in Dallas. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's an exciting project for us. And, uh, you know, we're, we're an off-the-books business. We're not planning on being a registered entity. And people are like, wait a minute, how can you do that? Well, we're, we're going to do it. Um, it's just <laughs> how it's going to happen. And we're going to outlast them. We're going to be here longer than they will be. And so, you know, we've got a lot of confidence in the business model moving forward with it. So if anyone's out there that wants to be involved in a mint project, hit us up as well. So we've got a lot of exciting stuff going on. And uh, it's it's a world full of opportunity, Jack. And, you know, the sky's the limit. There's just so much out there that can be done every day. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of money out there still. There's a lot of opportunity out there still. It's just a matter of, of having the courage to go out and find it, uh, having the knowledge to go out and, and know what to do with it. Uh, so many people out there, you know, your audience, my audience, they're they're smart, they're educated, you know, they they know what's really going on, but they haven't yet taken the, an opportunity to convert that knowledge to power. And you know, I saw a video that you made recently with people sending in pictures of of what they're doing to actualize that knowledge, to plant things, to grow things, to raise things, and that's beautiful. Uh, you know, the audience that you have and and their ability to actually get something done is off the charts, and so. Uh, you know, I just want to continue to encourage people out that uh, there's there's so much opportunity out there. Continue to take that same mentality and act, uh, and you'll be totally amazed at what you're able to accomplish. Yeah, I think the education level of people that are getting active is is really a lot higher than the average person. I don't mean to put anybody down, but like when I was just in New Hampshire and I did an hour speech at the uh, Liberty Forum, I had a laugh about every two minutes in the speech of all this humor that I built into it, keep people alert and you know chiming in. If people wonder why do you have that many, and it's usually because usually when I do a speech to like a group that somebody set up that they don't know who I am and they're they're new to this thing, like I have to put like you know thirty in a sixty minute bit to get like four to resonate because I don't know which four they're going to get and like these guys are all libertarians and honest money people and they got every single one of them so one guy commented on the on the video and said why are they laughing every two minutes I'm like because they get it and yeah. it's uh it's it's really refreshing to deal with people that uh, you don't have to explain it right they think oh yeah I know that when when Joel Salatin was up there he was talking about and I won't get into the details but something about the sales tax issue and the, the solution the bureaucrat gave him, and it ended up cutting the tax to the state by like $10,000. Mm -hmm. uh, and before he could even explain it, everybody was laughing. And it, it's great to work with people like that to get this stuff. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. You know, on that note, I'm really excited to be working with you guys, bringing out the new store. Uh, again, tspcopper.com. Uh, we're going to have... Uh, just about everything you guys have available available there to people with you know caveat that we're going to not have things in that aren't in stock so that people don't have to wait too long to get their stuff. But hopefully yeah. we'll be going there today and, 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 and loading up at least on the copper because it's so daggone inexpensive really. Absolutely. And we're right there on the front center of the uh, homepage. The first featured item I think we're going to offer uh, is the Sarah Palin copper medallion. No, we're not going to be doing that. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I don't want anybody that's a Sarah Palin fan to get upset with me. I just didn't really like the look of that one. It just, I don't know. I don't know who we're, designed we're it. We're really good. We're really good at accurately depicting portraits oh. on our 3D molds. <laughs> and we've gone wrong twice. One was with Ron Paul, who came out looking more like Alfred E. Newman or Prince Charles. Um, and the other one was Sarah Palin. So I, I can't disagree with you there that the medallion just – it wasn't a good photo that we started with. Uh, the guy that wanted to make it just he, – he wanted to 
to do it quick and easy. Um, so it wasn't really a, a nice hand cut portrait. Um, so I'm with you there that uh, we'll keep the Sarah Palin off the uh, off the now, site. On the on the Ron Paul, you've done different versions of that, haven't you? Because there's one that I saw that looks pretty dead gone good. Yeah, we uh, we created the original uh, Stars and Bars Ron Paul. That was a very expensive hand cut by a guy named uh, Luigi, who's like the world renowned sculptor for uh, for coins. Uh, and then, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but we decided to do a new version for the the first copper Ron Paul we came out with, and that just completely bombed. We minted twenty thousand of those, and we sat on almost twenty thousand of them for for almost a year before we said uh, that wasn't a good idea. So we uh, we did a buy one get one free on those, replicated the stars and bars Ron Paul, and so now we've got a, a best selling copper Ron Paul again. So yeah, because the stars and bars is is just awesome looking. That's the one you guys have out now, and I I think it, it looks beautiful in copper. Yeah, it's great. And the other thing that we've got now too that nobody else has is we're we're actually um, machine rolling twenty ounces of copper in paper now. So instead of shipping this stuff out in tubes and in bags like it was before, everything's coming out in really beautifully rolled uh, paper rolls. So that's a new addition that uh, that you'll see featured on tspcopper.com that uh, that we haven't offered anywhere else yet. Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you being here with us today, uh, Rob, and hopefully you'll get a maybe a phone call or an email from somebody that wants that job. Uh, and uh, the other thing I want to throw out for people here at the end is if you have a business of any kind and you're willing to take barter in any form, get over to uh, the marketplace and, and, and let them know about what you want to get done, right? Yeah, that's it. AOCSMarketplace.com. Just get yourself in there. You know, let us know what uh, what we can do to create value for you. What what kind of customers you're looking for? What kind of terms you're looking for? Like I said before, you know, the face value thing is is very important. And I spent a lot of time in the last uh, couple months going through and rewriting uh, all the information about the standard on the Open Currency website. Uh, information about our guarantee. Information about our marketplace. And information about the face value. Most importantly. Because uh, they're they're the most important components to understand about the open currency standard, and frankly, for years they've just been under explained on the website. So I fixed that now. But if if you're interested in being part of the marketplace, take a moment, go over to OpenCurrency.com, and read through the face value page because it it's very important to have the ability to overturn Gresham's law to encourage consumers to come out. You know, a lot of people think that it's difficult, Jack, to, to build a merchant network, and it's actually not. The most difficult job that we have is getting people that have silver to actually spend silver. And, you know, just for yourself, if I told you I had a place for you to go right now and spend silver at uh, $31.37, you probably wouldn't be that excited or intrigued to go out and do it. No, because I just bought some for like $32.50, so, you know, I mean, so, and I'm going to probably buy more next month, so I don't want to spend it. Right. So without that incentive to go out there and spend that real money, most people don't do it. Uh, even with that huge gap, when silver was at $8, $9, $10 an ounce back in uh, late 2008, early 2009, we still had a hard time getting people to spend a one-ounce round for a face value of 50 But uh, that, that gap is a lot smaller now. And so you really need to understand from a merchant perspective what the incentive is of, uh, of honoring that face value. Uh, and if that makes sense, then I encourage you to, to accept a round of silver for something greater than what the, the people of Wall Street will tell you that it's worth today. Uh, because you, we all know that it's going to be worth a whole lot. It's worth a whole lot more than that now. It's going to be worth a whole lot more than that sometime in the very near future. You can have-
Awesome. Well, Rob, thank you again for joining us for your uh, third appearance on the Survival Podcast. It's certainly not going to be your last. Thanks very much, Jack. I apologize I'm a little nasally here, but uh, I'll be better. Back to normal than time at all. I think the audience will appreciate the fact that you, uh, you made the appearance even though you weren't feeling the best. So, again, thanks. My pleasure. And, folks, with that, this has been Jack Spearco today along with Rob Gray, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, when we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Nobody up there cares, they're living.